this is we definitely have already talked about this. Okay, maybe we did it. Maybe we did talk <laughs> about this on our. I it, it blowing my mind a second time. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming adult rom-coms and teen cinema. I am one of your co-hosts, Martha Sullivan, librarian and guinea pig wrangler. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host. Um, I am Maren Hagman, adult services librarian, uh, rom-com enthusiast, and pug wrangler. Pug, Ozzy! <laughs> <laughs> We are here to talk about the fresh off the presses, I guess hot off the presses, uh, Your Place or Mine, which dropped on Netflix on February 10th of this year, so not even a week ago. So if you have not yet seen Your Place or Mine, I encourage you to pause the podcast and then come back because we will be spoiling uh, the entire movie for you. Um. So Your Place or Mine is a 2023 Netflix original uh, written and directed by Aileen Broche McKenna, who uh, listeners may recognize from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It stars Reese Witherspoon as Debbie, Ashton Kutcher as Peter, uh, Jesse Williams as Theo, Tig Notaro as Alicia, Steve Zahn as Zen, Zoe Chow as Minka, Wesley Kimmel as Jack, and then a whole bunch of other people. Uh, Rachel Bloom and Vela Lavelle, both alumni from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, also pop up in bit roles, which was delightful. Uh, and Sherry Appleby makes an appearance. So this really <laughs> is sure like a, This really is like a murderer's row of millennial and Gen X casting, uh, and I appreciated that. Uh, the story of Your Place or Mine is about Debbie and Peter, who have been friends for about 20 years and currently live on opposite sides of the country. Uh, they do a little house swap so that Debbie can go out to New York to finish up an accounting degree, I think. That's uh, and Peter comes to California to watch Debbie's 13-year-old son while she's gone. Uh, during the week that they are living in each other's houses holiday style, uh, both of them kind of realize uh, their actual feelings for each other uh, while a variety of shenanigans happen on each coast. Um, so this was obviously my first time watching this movie since it only came out six days ago. Um, but initial thoughts on your place or mine? Um, I think there's a lot of wasted opportunities here. Because um, I think that there are a lot of moments where the, there are a lot of enjoyable moments in this movie. And I think it never quite comes together as a whole. Um, and I, I think that for me, there's always going to be a structural issue when you have a rom-com where the two main characters aren't spending most of their time with each other. Um, and... You know, we're we're getting to hear them interact over cell phones and FaceTimes. Um, but I think that just leaves the movie at a disadvantage. There's a you mentioned the holiday earlier. I think there's a reason that the holiday pairs them up with the people at the place they go to. Um and and I think it just also um draws inevitable sleepless in seattle comparisons and i i will go on the record i do not love sleepless in seattle as many people as as much as many people seem to love sleepless in seattle 
I think it's one of Nora Ephron's weaker uh, romantic comedies. Um, and so I think it, it's just kind of frustrating because I think there are a lot of moments in this movie that work, but just like that structural issue um, kind of keeps it from gelling. I had the same reaction. Like, I really enjoyed both Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher, but as far as it being like a rom com, I was bummed that, because I actually, like, we got to the end and I was like, I don't actually know what your chemistry is like because I haven't seen you together exactly. in the whole movie. Exactly. This is why I do not understand Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Like, obviously we get to hear them talk, but people have entirely different, like, there is something different to a relationship that is in person than over the phone. And I feel like if we are if we are buying in to seeing a whole relationship happen over phone calls and FaceTimes, um, I mean, I don't know. Do you need to have Tom Hanks, like, talking to the phone? I mean, I, I don't know, because I don't know that it's the performances that are laying it down here. Because like you said, I, I think Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher are charming. Um, and I think the supporting cast really shines. Uh, my only, I, I think it could have used Rachel Bloom more because um, she was yes. very fun in the like one scene she showed up in, and I was a little puzzled why she didn't come back. Um, so I, think I know that- you, I know you very much enjoyed Steve Zahn in this oh. movie, but that was that was kind of the role that I wanted uh, uh, Rachel Bloom to be filling mm-hmm. the sort of wackadoodle neighbor. <laughs> Oh, see, I just love Steve Zahn. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's just because he's a, a fellow Minnesotan, but I just have such a soft spot in my heart for Steve Zahn. Yeah, no, I also I also love Steve Zahn. Um, it did just sort of, I did, like, Rachel Bloom was there and then she was gone, and it was like, oh, we only get one kook? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you almost wonder if Rachel Bloom was supposed to have filled that role initially, and maybe she got like caught up in reboot R.I.P. Um, and like couldn't come back or something. It's possible. I know that she and Alien Brush McKenna work together pretty frequently. Yeah. So it is definitely possible. Yeah. So I mean, that certainly could have been there um so yeah i think that was the one kind of misuse of the supporting cat like i think it just needed more um yeah more of her um i think zoe chow was an absolute scene stealer in every scene she was in i enjoyed her so much <laughs> she was incredible i also just want to say i love jesse williams so much and i really would love to see him as a rom-com lead. Absolutely. I feel I feel like I see him play second place a lot and I think he could carry I think he could carry a romantic lead. He's like in a James Marsden situation um and he he needs his own 27 dresses. Come on, Eileen Brosh McKenna, you you wrote really? 27 dresses. You you can write him one. Um, yeah, I think he I found him very compelling in this movie. I I mean, I he and Reese Witherspoon have great chemistry and because of the separation that you feel between her and Ashton Kutcher, when Theo Jesse Williams character is like we should date. I was like, "Yes. Yes, you should." 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard for her. It's hard to root for her with Ashton Kutcher without getting to see them together. And I, I mean, I don't know if the solution is that. So another comparison I thought of with this movie is Love, Rosie. Um, with Sam Claflin and Lily Collins. And it's it's actually a very similar setup. Actually, the more I think about it, the more apt a comparison it is. Because, I mean, it's kind of, well, although I guess they never hook up. But super close, BFFs become long-distance BFFs. And one thing the movie does is it, it shows us them over a number of years, but it almost always shows us, th- and it shows us moments when they're apart, but, like, the focus mm-hmm. in the movie is the time they are together. So we see a lot of the visits. We see a lot of, and there are definitely scenes of them together on the phone, but we get to see them together on screen a lot. And mm-hmm. and you get to, that helps you believe that, oh, these are people who have spent a lot of time apart, but clearly when they are, like, clearly they have chemistry a a romantic relationship is something they both want together and would be good for each other, um. And but you get to see that because so I don't know if the, this movie should have taken that tactic and like given us more glimpses in the beginning to like times where he's come out and hung out in L.A. or like her going I to his mother's funeral, you know, like showing us those moments I, together. I wish this movie had taken place over like the entire 20 year course of their friendship. Exactly. Like to see the phone calls and the FaceTime, but interspersed with those moments. Like I think showing, showing the conversation, there's a lot that happens off screen in this movie that it was kind of frustrating. Like at one point, Peter tells somebody and effectively tells us the viewer that like Debbie picked him up from rehab twice and the second time he was going to tell her that he was in love with her and then she told him that he was she was pregnant oh we and needed that's a to moment... see that scene like that was absolutely I was like wait what we didn't get yeah, to see like, that I would have loved to see her show up for her his mother's funeral like you said I would have loved to see that car ride I I wish that we had got, I wish that it had almost played more like a montage mm-hmm. of their relationship and then maybe spend the last like 20 minutes in this, um, like in this home swap scenario. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel like if your if your movie is based on the premise that these two people have had, this sort of very deep friendship connection for like 20 years. I would like to see some of that. Yeah. And I, I think that's where love Rosie succeeds more than this does. And in that, and I would actually say that I think love Rosie has a far less charming supporting cast. Like there are a couple Mm -hmm. little, but like this supporting cast is so charming that if you had, like employed all of that and also invested us in the central relationship this movie could have fired on all cylinders and instead you're like oh this is like kind of charming like it's fun people talking there's some some witty repartee but like do i actually believe these two people need to end up together i don't know maybe 
Um, versus by the end of Love, Rosie, you're like, kiss already. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and again, like probably a less charming sporting kids. But you are rooting so hard for that central relationship by the end. Um, funnily enough, I think it's actually a similar problem, too. Have you ever seen uh, Ashton Kutcher's uh, another rom-com of Ashton Kutcher's? It's not Friends with Benefits. What is it? Oh, No Strings Attached. No Strings Attached. I have not. Which it kind of suffers from the same problem. It is a murderer's row of supporting cast. You have Jake Johnson. You have Greta Gerwig. You have Mindy Colling. Like, that supporting cast. And one cast. of my, and truly one of my favorite stand-up comedians, Guy Branham. Yes. Like, that, I re- fairly recently rewatched that movie, and every moment where it is not about Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman is absolutely charming and winning. <laughs> like, um, and I, and I think this, this, in this movie, I think, like, they get to be charming separately. It just, we never get to see it come together. Yes, I agree. Because, yeah, I, I liked her kid. I I don't I don't always I don't always love teen or preteen actors, um, but I enjoyed the journey that he was on. She's sort of an overprotective mother. And while uh, Peter is out watching him, he's got a much more laissez faire approach to child care. I I would watch this entire movie again, but only following Tignataro's character. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Or Chloe, or uh, Zoe Chow. Like, oh my um, god, yes. I will just fast forward to their scenes. <laughs> um, but no, I thought that Tig was incredible. Um, I really liked watching the kid. I liked that he got to watch Alien for the first time. <laughs> that was very fun. Um, but yeah, I almost kind of wish that this was like more of a dr- more of a drama about Reese Witherspoon, like finding herself as a single mom after devoting herself to her kid. Like, I think there's a version of this movie that's not about the romance between her and Peter that I think I like more. And I, I say that as somebody who very much enjoys romance movies, like rom-com. I I do this whole podcast. Like I enjoy romance. I enjoy comedy. I enjoy two great tastes that taste great together. Um, But for this particular premise, I am kind of interested in the version of this movie that's not about the romance. Yeah, and I I think that is it's funny. I feel like Pete and I kind of had a similar conversation about uh, three thousand years of longing, <laughs> uh, which I haven't seen yet. And I think it kind of suffers from there are a lot of interesting things in that movie, and so I think there are always two central questions. And I'm absolutely wholesale stealing this from. Sarah McLean of the Fate of Mates podcast, which is about romance novels, but I think the same kind of two question test works in a movie or in a rom com. Um, mm-hmm. So the two questions you always have to ask to make a compelling romance is Do I believe these characters should be together? And then the second question it has to answer is Why can't they be together now? And this movie spends so much time on that second question of of what has kept them apart what you know literally they're on opposite sides of the country so like we are very clear on what is keeping them apart i am not clear on why they should be together and you need both um yes i agree yeah 
And um, so, yeah, I think it just doesn't pass that test of, like, really investing us in this relationship. I think you could have this entire movie as is without the airport scene at the end where they make out up to and including Peter relocating to California to like live platonically with Reese Witherspoon and her super rad son. And it still works for me. Like it works just as well. If you completely remove the him being in love with her angle and may actually be a little bit more interesting. Eh, Um, that I don't know, just because but I again, feel like all the stuff with the kid, the kid was basically like, so you're going to be my dad now. Like, I'm, I, and, and actually, I think this movie convinces us, like, in this movie, by proxy, shows us how they would be good co-parents. Uh, mm-hmm. Funnily enough, I, like, believe in them co-parenting. Um, I... Yeah, like Ashton Kutcher's whole thing is that he's sort of rootless. Like he he's a consultant and he leaves his jobs when they're done and like he leaves women after like 6 months or so. And I kind of like the world of this movie where the enduring relationship that he has is Reese with is with Reese Witherspoon regardless of whether or not it's romantic. And because the movie doesn't really do the legwork of convincing me that it should be romantic, I'm sort of on board with them just creating this, like, with him finding meaning in helping Reese co-parent and, like, you know, being fulfilled by their their connection, whatever that is. And, I, I like, it doesn't have to be romantic, but that is sort of the nature of the genre that this movie chooses to be in. Um, That's not the movie that we got. It's halfway yeah. between. I was going to say, I think you would have to cut a lot more out than just cut out that last scene to make it believable of like, these two are going to be, you know, platonic housemates. I think you, you cut out, you cut out the scene where she finds his weird envelope of obsession and you cut out the makeout scene of the, at the airport. I think you'd have to cut out a few more scenes because there's, um, you know, there's the scene where he talks to Tignataro. Like, that actually was, I think, the most convincing scene in terms of, like, oh, okay, you do have feelings for her. Like, you would have to cut out that scene. Um, you'd have to cut it out. I think you just have to rework it a little bit. Eh, you'd have to rework it a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of that scene is about, uh, you could still have him talk to Tignataro about his life woes, but I think a, a lot of that scene is centered around, like, I have been secretly in love with her for a long time and not been able to tell her. Um, Yeah, but I mean, I think ultimately, like, what we're talking around is that this movie just pays a lot of lip service. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't show us. And... Which is a bummer, because... It has two of the most charismatic people in Hollywood as its leads. So. Yeah. And I know there was all sorts of like on the, about the press tour. I know there was all sorts of like. And I think people were contrasting it to Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain's press tour of like, oh, yes, these are people who are not in a real life relationship at all, but like deeply have chemistry even on a press tour. 
and people were joking about uh, that compared to Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher's uh, chemistry on the press tour of this movie. But I, I think if you gave them room to like be in a scene together, um, well, I, mean, I also, I also don't think you have to have real life chemistry in order yeah. to have on screen chemistry. I mean, how many times have we seen? real husband and wives play fake husbands and wives and not have it work very well. Oh yeah, absolutely. As I I just watched the trailer for oh my gosh, what is it called? How am I It's the new it's uh, with Priyanka, Priyanka Chopra, Jonas Ooh. and Sam Hewen. Love again. That's what it's called. It's called Love Again. Um and it's one of a couple uh romance novel adaptations I'm excited about. Um and they just they just dropped the trailer and one of the jokes in the trailer is that they actually have a, a little moment with her real life husband um as Incredible. like a bad date. Like <laughs> <laughs> like they have a moment of so I'm like, oh that's amazing that they like cast him to play a bad day she goes on. That is legitimately wonderful. Um well, and speaking of those adaptations I'm excited about, I'll be really curious to see how... So one of the adaptations I'm excited about is called The Flatmate. Um, that's okay. based on a book by... Oh gosh, her name is something like Beth O'Leary. Um, she's a British author. And the premise is kind of similar in terms of the hero and heroine never really meet. But the idea is that they are two younger millennials in London, and to afford rent, they split a room. Um, and he works night shift and she works day shift. So he gets the room during the day. She gets the room at night, like 12 hours, 12 hours. Huh. Um, and they start falling in love over notes that they leave each other. Interesting. Um, so I'll be really curious to see how that movie stacks up against this. Um, and and the re- part of the reason I mentioned she's British is I think this comes from a a tradition of British like chick lit that that focuses less on the romantic relationship what I remember from the book and it's been a a couple years since I've read the book so I don't remember it Mm -hmm. super vividly but it it does focus less on the romance and I I think that is a hallmark of like British for lack of better term chick lit Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah I'll be curious to see how that stacks up against this because it is kind of a similar like, we really don't see them on page that much together. Um, yeah, I would be interested to read that because I am always curious at the way that people sort of redefine, like, the meet-cute kind of genre. Um, yeah, that's an interesting device. Yeah. Oh, and I I'm misspoke. Curious. I misspoke. It is actually called the flat share, not the flatmate. Ah. Oh. And why is IMDb saying it's a TV series? Oh. Okay. Well, I saw the trailer and thought it was a movie. Apparently, it's a Paramount Plus TV series. <laughs> All right. Never mind. Also, apparently, I could have watched this already. Well, we learned a lot of things. Thanks, Google. We did. <laughs> it has been an education. It is, if nothing else, it has been an educational evening. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Well, apparently I'm going to go watch that at some point. Um, anywho. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I don't have Paramount Plus, so I will not. Um, <laughs> well, I, I will let you know if it is uh, worth 
Oh, okay. No, it has not. A, oh, it was Paramount Plus only in Britain. Okay, good. I feel less bad that I missed it. <laughs> Never mind. All right. There's another British rom-com that they haven't, that I'm dying to see. It's called Love. What Love's Got to Do With It. Not the Tina Turner movie. Um, it's with Lily James. And for some reason, it's like premiering in the UK next week. And they haven't set a US premiere date at all. <sighs> what? Why are these Brits getting the rom-coms before me? So just to go, just to return back to your yeah, place yeah. of mind for a moment. Yeah, sorry, I've wandered I, this off. I will say, one of the things I kind of resented about the movie was I felt like within 20 minutes, I knew exactly what our major plot beats were all going to be. Like, oh, this kid is allergic to everything. Something bad is going to happen with that. Oh. She... Although, actually, it ended up not being about the allergy. I was a little surprised about that. That's true. I, 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 um, as soon as they introduced the hockey thing, I was like, well, it's either going to be the allergy or hockey thing. <laughs> or both. So I know what you mean, the... but yeah, I was a little surprised it wasn't the allergy thing. And then the manuscript thing, I was just like, I was kind of glad that they lampshaded what a terrible idea that was on Reese's part, like when she gives the book to um theo like in what universe is that okay yeah what you have just done yeah um, well and also they apparently lamb cheated how the publishing industry works i was like really a small uh, niche press can afford to rent a brooklyn brownstone hmm. yeah i don't know man <laughs> I- <laughs> That was just sort of like movie apartment rules. Like if the if a movie tells you that an apartment is a hole, then excuse me, if the if apartment is terrible and you're like, hmm, I would not be able to afford that in my city. <laughs> but yeah, I, there were a couple moments where I was just like, oh, now I know exactly what beats this mm-hmm. movie is playing with. And I was like, I kind of wish it hadn't been snow on the nose just because... I like being surprised. I'm not typically the kind of viewer that sits there and tries to outsmart the movie. Like, I want things to just happen to me. So that was a little... A little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that... It, it went a couple places I didn't really... I didn't fully expect. I mean, they... um. I wondered if we were going to have... I, I liked that Pierre's sobriety wasn't a plot point. Uh, yes. And I, I wondered for a second if it wasn't going to be. Um, I actually... I missed that he was sober until he was at the bar. Mm. Yeah, because it was just kind of casually dropped in. Um, It was pretty easy to miss. I forget what the first moment before he was like, oh, and she picked me up from rehab. Um, well, when he's at the bar, he's like, I'd really like a McKellen. But since I don't drink, I was like, oh, OK. And when he gives the when he gets a beer for Zen, mm-hmm. he he has a Pellegrino. And that was the first moment when I was like, hey, is he? Um, but yeah, the movie, I don't think really makes a thing out of it until he's at the bar and mm-hmm. like has his whole spiel with the bartender. And then gives the little speech about rehab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's... Um, 
I want to say there's one like early subtle moment, but I forget. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I kind of I wondered if that was gonna become a thing, and was glad that I, it wasn't. Yeah, agree. I think it was nice to just show a character who is sober and is an alcoholic and like went through rehab, but not have that be like the thing. It's just this is true for some people like this happens and there is life after rehab. And I thought that that was, I'm always pro normalizing things like that. Like just make them, it doesn't always have to be the plot. It can just be the way that things are. Yeah, exactly. So that was one. Um, other I mean, I, yeah, I think this movie definitely, like, forecasted where it was going and then mostly went there. Um, I don't need the wheel to be reinvented. I will say right up top, like, I had a good time. Yeah. I We have definitely watched worse movies oh, than this. Sure. And at the end of it, I was like, that was fine. Yeah. And they, Do they, I think it could have been better? Yes, of course. <laughs> but as a viewing experience, it was I, I don't know that I will watch it again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have like I said, we have certainly watched worse. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I think it just when you have a writer who can do things like Elaine Brush McKenna, it's just like very frustrating to be like, why didn't you just like ugh? And maybe that's maybe that is sort of the root of my disappointment. Like the stuff she did on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was so good and like so um like turned your expectations inside out so deeply that like I know that she has unconventional writing in her and maybe she just wanted to write like a straight up and down rom-com and I respect that. But it was not quite what I was expecting from her, and I I think that was a little bit disappointing. Well, are are you familiar with her other rom coms? Uh, no. Okay, so she wrote Twenty Seven Dresses. Oh well, I've yes, I've seen okay. that one. Yeah. Um. So she also a movie of hers that I stand for. Um, that I think gets a little underloved. Uh, also a rom com called Morning Glory. Did you ever see that one? Oh, I did. That one was cute. Yeah. Oh, and she wrote The Devil Wears Prada. So, like, yeah, she definitely, she definitely has some, like, solid, um, yeah, solid cred. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, yeah. So, it's kind of like, and I, I think that, you know, the lessons of, and I mean, I think her her standouts are Twenty Seven Dresses and Morning Glory. Are those movies just like let Catherine Heigl and James Marsden and um, Rachel McAdams and Patrick Wilson like spend a lot of time together? Yeah. Uh, well, and I also like that she did The Devil Wears Prada, which is sort of a sideways rom com. Yeah. Um. 
technically fifth, winning on a technicality. <laughs> but I think that that's the kind of story that would have worked better for what she's doing here. Like something that ultimately is not about two characters getting together, but about one character kind of finding themselves. That felt like that there's a skeleton of that in this movie, and I think it works better for me. Well, and I, I think as we've kind of gotten it, the problem is is that if this does want to be a romance, it needs to go the way of Love Rosie or even um One Day, where mm-hmm. we get to see that. I mean, I think there's a place for... I, I like the idea that there is a place for, like, middle-aged leads who have been friends for a long time figure out there's more. Yes. Like, I think that's a very compelling story. Um, Agreed. And I think that it has been done well in one day and love Rosie in part because we get to see the journey over time. Also kind of the, um, before sunrise movies. Um, somewhat. Yeah. I mean, with, yeah, like kind of snapshots over, over the course. Yeah. I mean, those have three movies to work with, so it's a little bit of a different beast, but I think it's the same sort of evolution that we're talking about. I mean, it's a little different because they're never friends. Um, Romance, I think, is always kind of on the table. But I see what you mean about, like, the long arc. Yeah. Yeah. Like, two people who have a relationship and then are apart for a long time and sort of continually sort of orbit each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it shares DNA. It's not quite the same thing, but I do think that there is, it's like the same scientific species. <laughs> <laughs> well, or even um, there is an Adam Divine movie um, on, I think it's on Netflix called When We First Met. Um, and it kind of plays with this idea because the whole, I don't think there's a twist. You can kind of see it from a while coming, but the whole shtick of the movie. So this guy gets this magic, um, a photo booth that sends him back in time to the first night that he met this girl Aaron, who's been, oh, yep, can you hear me? Aaron, I think we, I think that we watched that for this podcast. Oh, we did? Okay. I think so. I think so. Okay. <laughs> I do not remember that we watched that for this podcast. Okay. But yeah, so, you know, there's kind of, that's kind of playing with that story because, you know, the twist is that the girl he's been pining for is not the one for him, and it's really the friend. Mm-hmm. And I, I would argue this movie, that movie spends too much time on the misdirect and kind of suffers a little bit of the same problem as we just don't get to see the two of them together. But I, I yeah. think there is a very compelling, like, friends to lovers arc that could have happened here, too. Yeah, I agree. So, at the end of the day, Marin, would you recommend this movie? I think so. I mean, I think it was a, a solid way to spend an hour and 45 minutes. Um, am I going to go back and rewatch it a bunch? Probably not. Um, it's probably not going to get put on the rotation. Um, but <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I think there there is a lot to like in here. Would you? 
would. I I think I would more strongly if it was a little shorter. It's almost two hours, which was a bit shaggy. Um, but also, like I said, I had a good time. Solid B plus. Um, and especially if I knew I was recommending it to somebody who is into romantic comedies, like mm-hmm. yeah, there are worse ways to spend a few hours. Um, and it's good. It's always good to see Reese Witherspoon working again. It is. It is. Uh, what would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, well, I think I already played my hand in terms of um, just for the romance that happens uh, with the two on kind of their own separate adventures. Um, I I would recommend the the flat share. Um, let me actually double check this. I know it's like Beth O'Leary. Oh, okay, I did do it right. It is Beth O'Leary. Um, by Beth O'Leary. Um. So and it it kind of straddles more to the um the chiclet uh rom drum um it's a little lighter on the romance but um yeah kind of got some similar similar vibes so yeah the flat share by Beth O'Leary what would you recommend I think I would recommend Before Sunrise, which okay. is again not this not quite the same thing that we're talking about, but it is a truly beautiful movie um about two people who have a really striking connection, but that then they sort of move away from each other. And if you get really ambitious, you can watch the sequels. Um but yeah, uh Before Sunrise is a 1995 movie starring uh, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy about two people that meet on a train traveling together in Europe and spend a day together. And at the end of it, they kind of have to decide. Um, well, I I don't think it's spoiling it to say that at the end of it, they know that they're both going to move on their separate ways. Like they both have places that they're going and things they need to do. Uh, but they have about a 24 hour, very intense um, connection. And Richard Linklater, the director, will go on to uh, direct, um, it's like, After Sunrise and then Before Midnight are the two follow-ups. It's both. Um, So it's Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. And Before Midnight, yes. Um, But as a a trilogy, I think they are striking. Um, I don't know that there is another set of movies um that is sort of comparable at least like artistically to what these movies are doing um but yeah that's my recommendation before sunrise so uh we will be back uh in a couple of weeks with our next episode where we are going to be talking about a movie that much to Marin's consternation, I have never seen before. <laughs> uh, we are going to be talking about Leap Year. Uh, just as this mo- this episode is coming out shortly after Valentine's Day, uh, Leap Year will be coming out. Our episode on Leap Year will be coming out shortly after um, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Leap Year. Do do do. I'm looking it up to see where people can watch it. It I stars it's HBO Max. I think I saw. Fabulous. It stars Amy Adams and Matthew Good. And oh, it's on Netflix. Oh, it is on 
Netflix. Okay. So it is currently on, yeah, it's on Netflix and then available to rent in a bunch of different places. Uh, so we will see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, until then, you can watch this feed for an upcoming episode of Did You Do Your Homework that is all about a variety of Draculas, which is very <laughs> fun to record. Uh, you can follow me on the internet uh, on all the places at Magical Martha, including uh, my newsletter that I write whenever I feel like it, which is tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Uh, Marn, where can people find you? Um, folks can find me on Twitter, where I mostly tweet about romance novels, um, at A underscore star underscore danced. Um, so if that interests you at all, feel free to give me a follow. Fantastic. Is there anything I am forgetting before I close us out here? I don't think so. Fantastic. Thank you, Marin. Thank you, all listeners. Uh, it is delightful to be back. I'm glad that we are here on your feed, in your ears. Uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks. And just remember that we love you. Yay. Yeah, I love Amy Adams. I love Matthew Good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it is a movie I probably enjoy more than it deserves. (laughs) So I'll be (laughs) curious I'll be curious to see your reaction to it.